Hey, what's up, everyone? This is Antonio Neves, and welcome to episode 35 of The Best Thing. I have a really dynamic conversation with Thomas Edwards Jr. This guy has a fascinating background. Uh, he was once known as the professional wingman. So if you've seen the movie Hitch with Will Smith, Thomas at one time was that real person who had major success and received tons of press for the work that he did. But the cool thing was that he realized that no longer fit who he was. So he pivoted and transitioned to basically a new life. And now he's doing something extremely fascinating where he's combining personal development with game design and showing people how to not only enjoy playing, but also winning the quote unquote game of life. Now, it wasn't easy for him because he can tell you that he experienced an identity crisis and he had to learn not only how to share all of who he was, but also how to love himself, something that all of us I'm sure can relate to. And in this episode, we dig into all of this and more. It's a really powerful conversation that I know you're going to dig. Hey, as always, I want to hear from you. I want to hear what's on your mind, what you think about the best thing podcast, uh, what you would like to hear. So you can always text me at 310-564-7100. You can find that in the show notes, that phone number. We have a lot of international listeners right now. That phone number only works in the United States, but you can hit me on Instagram, Twitter, LinkedIn, you name it. So don't hesitate to DM me to let me know what you think about the podcast and what you would like more of. Uh, Lastly, in the show notes, what you're going to find is a link to the Stop Living on Autopilot mini course. This is a free three-part video mini course that is blowing up. Why? Because these three lessons are phenomenal. I'm biased. I created it, but people are really, really enjoying it and letting me know. So if you've been going through the motions, if you feel like you've been living on autopilot, make sure you go to the show notes and click on that link and sign up. It's free. Well, it'll cost you your email. Okay, enough of my talking. Let's get into episode 35 of The Best Thing with Thomas Edwards Jr. Welcome to The Best Thing Podcast, where we talk to thought leaders, creatives, authors, and entrepreneurs about how sometimes the best thing to happen to you is the most unexpected. Welcome your host, Antonio Neves. Hey, what's up, everyone? Welcome to the Best Thing Podcast, where I talk to people about the best thing to happen to them that doesn't include the traditional markers of success. I'm your host, Antonio Neves. I'm a speaker, author, and coach. And each week, I bring on a guest who has a powerful story to tell that will motivate, inspire, and help you see life through a new lens. Now, this week's guest is someone I've met quite a few years back And frankly, what seems like a different lifetime in New York City and watching his journey and evolution has been amazing to see. Thomas Edwards Jr. is a transformational coach for high-performing professionals, athletes, leaders, and businesses wanting to level up their purpose, fun, passion, and achievement. And I love seeing the word fun in there. Now, through personal development combined with game design, He shows people how to enjoy playing and winning the game of life. Formerly known as the founder of the professional wingman, 
a company helping singles find love. He's also the creator of the One Up Effect, which states, live life like you found an extra one. Now, for over a decade, Thomas's unique approach to personal transformation has been featured in nearly 1,000 media outlets, including Men's Health, The Wall Street Journal, GQ, The New York Times, among many, many other outlets. And right now, I am so excited to welcome Thomas Edwards Jr. to the best thing. What's good, man? Thanks for having me, brother. I love I love the hype machine, man. It's so good. <laughs> the hype machine, man. I kind of try to keep that intro nice and, and normal, but I, I find myself every now and then slipping into that that presenter announcer voice. But I like to big up my guests because, you know, I read this bio and, and it really, really pops and, and stands out. And there's a lot of things I want to talk to you about, Thomas. Yeah. But the first question I want to get into, you mentioned briefly in your bio, formerly known as the founder of the professional wingman. If someone Googles your name, that background, those articles are going to come up. Yeah. Just just briefly, tell us a little bit about who that guy was. Man, so I started the professional wingman in 2009. It was the idea was created literally at a bar. Uh, a buddy of mine saw an attractive woman that he wanted to date and asked me to be his wingman and help him. And I said, "Hey, are you going to compensate me in any way?" And he said, "I'll pay for all your drinks the entire weekend." And so I went over and made it happen. They got on the lunch date. He texted me, said, "Thanks for being my wingman," and the business was born. And in, a, in a, just a few short months, I went from servicing a couple clients in Boston to then being featured in the Wall Street Journal. Um, and, and in such a wild way, like the article that I was featured in was the second most read and shared article. Uh, and the first article that was, most, that was more widely shared and read was actually Obamacare. It was about the introduction to Obamacare. Wow. So I woke up inside of, um, I was living with my parents at the time. I woke up in my bedroom to knocks on the door, but my mother telling me that I was in the Wall Street Journal. And I went from servicing clients in Boston to then becoming literally serving international clients um, overnight. And from then it just became a worldwind wide. Right. Correct me if, correct me if I'm wrong. When you, when you began doing this, this was before all these matchmaking shows were on TV. Is that correct? I think uh, Millionaire Matchmaker was on for a few seasons, but the idea of someone going out with you and, and being your friend and, and at the same time helping you meet potential partners, that was just unheard of. And for a long time, people just associated me with the movie Hitch and said, oh, you're like the real life Hitch. And I didn't really think much about it. I was like, sure, I guess. Like, <laughs> I guess that is, you know? And then it became just the thing. Yeah, I'm sure a lot of people hear that, the professional wingman, and they think about the movie Hitch with Will Smith and may not really have a deep appreciation for what you did. Could you just briefly talk about the skill set that was required to help a, a man or a woman, you know, find a, a love? I mean, you weren't necessarily looking for just hooking up with people who are looking for hookups. Yeah. These folks wanted to find love and many of your clients have got married and have kids. So just talk a little bit about the skill set that you use to help these folks. Yeah, so when it, the professional wingman really focused on social skills and lifestyle development. You know, so our philosophy, or at least my philosophy, was your lifestyle is what attracts potential partners. And then who you are keeps them, keeps them around. And when you think about dating and relationships and this idea that you want to find your person, only a small micro fraction of that timeline is actually you meeting, connecting, attracting, and being with that person. 
the rest of the timeline is, is you being in that relationship and doing everything you can to keep that relationship, not only like keeping that relationship, but keeping it growing. So I, I spent a lot of time focusing on helping develop better communication skills, developing confidence in social crowds, but also being able to connect with someone on a one-on-one level. And eventually living a lifestyle that's conducive to adding someone that you care about and love as a supplement to your life, not something that you need to have to complete it. And coming from and having that mentality made it very, very simple. I wouldn't say easy, but it made it simple for my clients to when it came to finding love. So when I'm able to say that we have well over 300 marriages and engagements and dozens of kids, zero divorces, at least none that I know of, it, it just show, it just speaks to what we were able to accomplish, not with the idea of just finding someone, but for them to become the person that attracted their person. What I love about that is you said something that really stood out to me. You said looking for partners, relationships that supplement their life. I think in society, the messaging that we see in televisions and movies and films, Thomas, for the longest time is that message of to find someone who will complete you. But you're saying that's not the case. No, not at all. You know, and this is something that perpetuates in my even in my coaching today. And ironically, this is this is a story, you can call it programming, but it's something that gets embedded inside of us. It's just ever so subtly, like you said, through movies, through media, through conversations, through watching how other people are behaving around us, makes us start to question us in terms of how complete we really are. And what do we need outside of ourselves to make that completion, whether it's money, a significant other, status, a job, things that are cool, (laughs) you know, all these things, you know. Um, And the truth of the matter is the coaching that I did showed my clients that they themselves are already complete. And all they needed to do was to develop a a plan. You can almost call it like a marketing plan, if you will, of how they can communicate that message in such a way to get someone to come in and actually see them for who they are and love them just the same. Can you just imagine how different this world would be, how different society would be if everyone fully embraced and accepted that you are already complete? You just saying that right there, when you feel that way, everything changes. And now when you say that, I can see how that is just a supplement. That's an added benefit to my life. And without that car, without that relationship, without that Fendi, whatever, I'm good. Yeah. And so many of us are. You know, it's been fascinating. Let me just digress for a second is I've been curious what's going on with people in society, of course, during the pandemic, because so many of us, we get a lot of our self-esteem from being out in public. Yep. What happens to that man or woman if someone can't see those brand new shoes you just bought mm-hmm. or that brand new bag that you wore or that car that you drive in? I think a lot of people are struggling with mental health right now because they're not complete internally and they're not getting that, if you will, appreciation from people they don't even know out on the streets. What do you think? Yeah, I mean, mental health is a huge uh, concern during the pandemic because it's really forcing people to be uprooted from their routines that have been based on validation and approval from someone else other than themselves, right? Like you said, being acknowledged for the work that they're doing, being able to go to a workplace and be acknowledged by their employee, I mean, their, their coworkers or their boss for the work that they're doing, being able to meet up with friends and tell them about their lives and, and connect with them and, and show off in some ways, right? Show off their accomplishments, the things that they have, the things that they've, they've been working for. 
And now you're at home by, you know, with yourself, not by yourself necessarily, but you're with yourself with none of those things available to you. And it really makes you question, well, if I don't have access to that, then what am I living for? And that's a tough question to answer for those who may not be willing to answer such a question or have been avoiding that question all this time. Yeah, that's a really tough one. That's probably just hit a lot of people right now. Who am I without all of that? That's a whole other episode that we'll <laughs> talk about on another day. Let's dig into this. What really stands out about your bio is you mentioning personal development combined with game design. Thomas, that's something I'm, I've heard it because I know you and we've had conversations about it. But society at large, in my opinion, and the leadership and development work I, I do, I have not seen that out there. So could you talk a little bit about how these two things go together, gaming and personal transformation? Yeah. So for those who are listening, I'm a huge gamer. Um, I've been a gamer since I was a little kid. And it wasn't until recently that I reignited my passion with my first love. <laughs> Holding no asperges against my wife, <laughs> but my first real passion was video games and bringing that back into my life made me connect this idea that if life was made like a video game how much fun would that be no one goes and plays a game with the idea that they're not going to have fun no matter how difficult or challenging the game it is the idea of playing a game is yeah i want to win but more importantly i want to have fun i want to enjoy the experience of playing a game we don't see life that way and so i was able to Take a, find principles of game design and game mechanics and apply them to your life in a way that helps, re, helps you create new habits and reinforce them, help you find ways of going deeper into yourself and being rewarded for them, but also setting a challenge-based lifestyle that allows you to pursue things that are meaningful to you, not just from the aesthetic, but from the internal motivation, the internal, the intrinsic value of going after those things and making it a game. And when you gamify anything, it just becomes more fun. So for example, uh, when you plug in two coordinates on Google Maps, there's typically three options that you can take. Sometimes it's, you, you typically, we typically go towards the quickest route, right? But sometimes we look at that and we're like, I could beat that time. <laughs> I can get yeah. that what Google's saying. All of a sudden, you've created a game. You've created a game to see if you can beat the clock, beat the time that's being given to you. Sometimes we're in our office and we're trying to come up with a new project or a new creative idea. And we're scrapping and writing drawings and we're balling up a bunch of paper balls. Sometimes we'll just throw it into the wastebasket and we start doing it over and over and over again. That's a game. And these games, what they do is they start to expand your creativity, starts to expand your joy. And also, most importantly, it expands your soul. Your soul gets fed because it gets to enjoy something, even if it's just for a little bit. And that goes a long way. I love hearing that because it's just a reminder. Both of us have, have toddler kids. And so mm -hmm. the, the joy, the gift that we get every single day is to see our kids play with us. Uh, with, un with, with reckless abandon, just having so much fun. Like they are gamifying their life. They love it. But at some point through the society, through the programming, like you mentioned earlier, through our educational system, societal rules we're supposed to follow, we stop playing. Mm -hmm. We stop playing. We get serious. And we got to enter the quote unquote real world, 
right? And that's why a lot of people are angry right now. But I like what you said about this being challenge-based because in my experience, and I know this firsthand as well, man, is that I think a lot of people are fighting life. Yes. Like people wake up with clenched fists, man. It's like, and the, 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 it's, it's as if this life, this one life we give, depending upon how many lives you believe we have, mm-hmm. people, listeners out there, it's as if, you know, it's a chore. It's a yeah. chore to be in this life. And what I'm hearing you say about making it challenge based, how much more enjoyable it can be. And we don't have to fight life. We can actually in, enjoy life. Is that correct? Yes. I mean, think about the idea of, yeah, the word work. You hear work and it just sounds like, the worst thing ever. <laughs> Anything that has to do with the work sounds terrible. And the truth is, like, my philosophy is the work itself is getting to a place where everything and anything can be fun for you. Even the mundane, even the darkest of, of times and the things that you that will require you to go deep and pull up some stuff that maybe you've been avoiding for a long time. Those experiences can have elements of fun inside of them. But it's up to us to choose how much of that we want to see. Yeah, you got me thinking about seeing somebody riding a jet ski. I've never seen someone riding a jet ski and frowning at the same time. They always have a smile on their face. And I know we can approach life the exact same way. So let's dig into this question of the best thing. Thomas, what, what is one of those best things that has happened to you? One of those things that wouldn't necessarily appear on the resume or bio or come up in conversation that has had a profound effect, impact on who you are today. Yeah. So before I get to it, I want to I set the scene here so people can really understand. So and really piece this together of, of how I started as a professional wingman, what I'm doing now in my practice, and really just kind of bring it together. So the professional wingman, at its peak, it was you know, my, my greatest achievement. You know, I wanted to be the best at that particular thing, and I was. And I was acknowledged publicly on an international level. And my clients were having success too. And when I got to that place, I felt a, a strange sense of, of uh, not feeling connected anymore. I felt lost. And that was because after I had achieved what I had wanted to achieve, which was being the best, there was nothing else there for me to do. So I spent the remainder of my years focusing when I was in that time, like trying to maintain appearances, trying to find motivation to keep doing what I was doing. Um, And it was tough. And it led me to a a very dark and deep depression that was filled with escapism and and drinking and drugging and being around wrong crowds. And just, it, it went on and on and on. And eventually I realized that when I, as soon as in this moment happened, when my wife came in the room and told me that she was pregnant with our daughter, that I was dealing with an identity crisis. I created Wingman, the identity, and realizing that Wingman was no longer going to last, I had a very difficult time letting go. And so what became, that was supposed to be the best day of my life, which it was, it was also one of the worst days of my life because I also had to mourn the death of my identity. And I was publicly doing, I was actively mourning the death of, of me, wingman. And it led me to a darker depression and it went on and on and on and on until eventually my wife comes out of the room and she says, listen, I'm not happy. This is not the type of marriage that I thought I'd be in. This is not the type of marriage I want to be in. Something about our relationship needs to change or else I'm going to have to leave. 
and I'm paraphrasing there. I was in shock when she was saying these things. So I'm hearing blips. And she said it in that particular way. And I thought that was really interesting because she wasn't pointing the finger at me and saying that I needed to change and this is your fault. But she said it in such a way that it got me and said, man, I don't do something about this. I'm going to lose everything. I'm going to lose my wife. I'm going to lose my daughter. I'm going to lose my business. Who knows what else I may lose. And it was in that situation where I sat with myself and I said, listen, everything that I've learned, all the tools that I have brought me to where I am right now. And I don't have the tools and I don't know what to do to get me past this place. And since I don't have these things, I need to finally ask for help. And that was the first time where I legitimately raised my hand, reached out and said, I can't do this anymore by myself. I have to do this with some support, with some help. And it actually started with getting a therapist just to talk about what was going on with me. And before we dig into talking about the therapist and, and, and like the, the obviously the, the positive outcome of this, for so the audience can understand, you mentioned, if I don't do something about this, I'm going to lose it. And of course, you brought your wife to a place where she had that kind of that serious talk with you that no one really wants to, to have. Can you just paint a picture when you say, if I don't do something about this, what was this? Was it the drinking? Was it, uh, what, what were some of those things? It was the, the, the big thing that I realized when being put with the spotlight in front of me was that I forgot how to love myself. I forgot what it looked like. If I wasn't loving myself, how was I in any capacity to love my marriage, to love my wife, to be the father that I am meant to be for my daughter, to love my business, to love my life. All those things were connected to that simple idea that I just didn't know how to love myself, forgot how to do it because I wasn't doing it for so long. I was loving everyone else's life. I was making, putting everyone else in position to um, love on themselves and I wasn't taking care of myself. And it was in that moment where Making that choice, it was first of all, before making that choice, accepting the fact that I didn't know what to do, that was the best thing that ever happened to me. That first moment of saying, I don't know how to fix this and accepting that. And then on the other side was the desire to want to fix this. And then that led then led to the solution, which was asking for help. Yeah. And so few people get to the point or the humbleness of being willing to say, I don't know how to fix this. I no longer want to do this alone. And you said something really, really poignant that I'm sure a lot of people can can resonate with, something I personally can resonate with. And I was just speaking from in my personal in, in my personal life. Um, and this is going to be in my upcoming book, Stop Living on Autopilot. When you talk about forgetting how to love yourself or not knowing how to love yourself, I know that feeling as well. In many ways, I felt like I was running away from myself. I didn't want to confront the truth. I didn't want to look in the mirror. I didn't want to have those tough conversations with my wife when I realized some of the things I was doing in my life just aren't the, aren't the things that I wanted to do. And what that caused me personally to do, and I don't know if you, you relate to this at all, at all, is one, it caused a distance between me and the world in a certain <laughs> regard. I, listen, I, I'm a, I can put up a smiling face for anybody. Antonio, Tony, I'm good. Don't get me wrong. I, you, you interact with me and you won't think anything is wrong. But also what I saw it doing for me, man, it caused me to start finding myself sedating. Yes. And when I, when I say sedating, that could be mindless television watching. Sure. Uh, that could be spending time out when I, I should be doing something 
else mm-hmm. uh, for me for a good period of time that involved um, ending that evening uh, with alcohol, with a drink or two or three. Mm-hmm. And I think, you know, this as well. There's a period yeah. of time when I picked up a vice of smoking cigarettes and I hid yeah. that from my wife. Yeah. So I'm not sure if that's something that I'm not trying to tell my personal story, but I'm not sure if that resonates or you can relate to that as well. well I mean, the truth is, man, like we all have a version of that story. We all do in, in some type of way. You know, for me, I would escape the confines of the physical confines of my house to escape myself. But the, and I would go out to like bars, right? I go out to parties and I, I look back and I, and I was thinking to myself, man, like I was hiding in public. I was hiding in plain sight because like you said, like I would put on a great show, put on a great face, look dapper and make it look like everything was great. And I would even reinforce it with the things I would say. Right. And the truth is like, I just said that so they could like not inquire more about what was going on with me so I can be in a public space unbothered. Right. And it was just basically this idea of just constantly running from myself, as you said, right. I was running from myself, my true self really, right? It's my true self. And that's where the identity conf- you know, crisis really came to blows. And I had to make a decision. I either, you know, stay the course in what I was doing and, and, and deal with the repercussions, with, which could have left me truly alone, um, or find a way to, to, to figure out what loving myself looks like and see where that takes me. Because neither, so- neither outcome was guaranteed. Yeah. Thomas, as we get ready to wind down, if someone is listening uh, to this right now, uh, obviously they are listening, but say it's that man or woman and they hear you say this whole idea of being willing to to love yourself, appreciate yourself, and maybe they're finding themselves sedating, Yeah, whether that's binge watching uh, different series on television, maybe they're sedating with distractions of people, or for I know a good portion of the population, because I know alcohol sales have gone up during this yeah. pandemic. Uh, they're sedating themselves with alcohol or drugs. Um, what would you say uh, to that man or woman who's looking to take a, a positive step forward? The one thing that I had to relieve myself of, well, two things, was the blame and the shame. So if you're hearing this and you're going through a little bit of a struggle, the first thing I'll tell you is that it's not your fault. It's not your fault. Sometimes we don't even realize we're doing what we're doing and the, and, and the potential damage that's causing not just us, but the, those around us. You know, the programming can be so deep. You know, the story can be so real for us. And so the first thing I'll say, it's not your fault. Second thing is, if you're willing to accept where you are now in the sense of just relieving yourself of the, 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 the guilt, the shame, the blame around it, and you're ready for change, that's a great place to be in. But you got to accept where you are right now to, in order to really have take full responsibility and have full capacity of power to be able to move in the direction where you want to go. You can't just be like, I'm not going to take responsibility for what happened in the past and then expect that like, things in the future are going to work out. It doesn't work that way because the past will always come up in that way to come catch up with you in some capacity. But when you take full responsibility for everything that has brought you to where you are right now, it allows you to be empowered to take full responsibility for where you want to go in the future. And that's the big thing. That's an, a huge big thing. And I thank you for that reminder for everyone that that is not 
your fault and to release that blame and shame. And yes, y'all, if you don't accept that responsibility, best believe it's going to come knocking on the door mm-hmm. when you least expect it and you don't want it to knock on the door. Um, Thomas, I just want to say thank you, man, for being willing to do this. Uh, you know, when we first met in New York City, um, and I can even remember walking down the street with you in, in Manhattan and having a conversation. The truth is, if you and I could go back in time and look at those two dudes, I think we'd be still be impressed with those guys, but we wouldn't recognize them as much. And we'd be like, we'd be happy for the journey that they're going to be on, even though we know at times moving forward, it wasn't going to be easy. Again, I can't thank you enough for taking time to do this and being willing to share all that you have shared. Uh, For folks that want to learn more about you, the work that you're doing, uh, where should we send them to? You can go to thomasedwardsjr.com. It'll introduce you to the idea of the one-up effect and the work that I do, whether it's with uh, one-on-one, inside of groups, and with companies. Um, it's, it's a different way of being. It's a totally different belief system than one that has been talked about or heard of. And I can unequivocally say that it is one of the most powerful things that I've been able to not only create, but share. Because everything that I've created is actually based on what I do right now, presently in this moment. Uh, If I'm not doing it, you're not going to hear about it. So um, understand that when you want someone to to guide you and and facilitate your own transformation, you want to make sure that the person who does that is someone who has basically done what they said. You want someone of full integrity because that's where you want to be. You want to be at a place of full integrity. So if you want to learn more about that, go to thomasedwardsjr.com. Beautiful. Thank you again for joining me and uh, look forward to having you on again in the near future. Thanks, bro. Much love. Thanks for listening to The Best Thing Podcast with Antonio Neves. Join us next week for more stories that'll help you see the world through a new lens. For more resources, go to theantonioneves.com. If you enjoyed this podcast, we ask that you share with a friend and be sure to subscribe so you never miss an episode.